This week on SMR, the most unwanted sequel of all time, Partygate 2, Electric Boogaloo, is upon us. It's Star, the turd who just will not flush. We but boy, is it complicated. Broadcasting weekly, only on Mixcloud, the UK's premier grassroots pro-European radio show. This is 16 million, rising, look straight, look up. Yes, on this week's SMR Single Minded Rejoiners, we're bringing you the full story behind the most unwelcome resurfacing of former Prime Minister Boris Johnson in Carol Vorderman's words, the diarrhoea you just can't get rid of, two terrific new songs, two classics from the archive, heaps of fresh new pro-European anti-Brexit comedy, a crucial update on this summer's live-streamed online music festival, Music Sounds Better with EU, and I'll be taking you behind the the scenes of SMR's first week on YouTube. It's safe to say we've received a mixed reaction. Just wait till you hear my two favourite comments of the week. You're going to need a stiff drink for both of them, but until we get there, buckle up. Stay right where you are. You're listening to SMR. Your voice against the biggest con ever perpetrated on a country. This is 16 million rising Welcome back to SMR, this is episode 209, Partygate 2, Electric Boogaloo, which I thought, mistakenly as it turns out, would be an absolutely brilliant excuse to play this classic Eddie Grant track. Now in the street there is violence, and then a lot of work to be done. No place to hang out or washing, and then I can't blame all on the sun. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, hold on, right. Electric Avenue. Oh, bollocks, that's exactly what I thought he said. Well, no, it's not actually, because what I thought he was singing was Electric Bloody Boogaloo, which would have just been a great track to open this week's show since, well, I'll explain. Uh, so there was this movie in the early 1980s called Breaking, uh, about, about breakdancing, all that kind of stuff, you know, body popping. Um, anyway, it had a sequel called Breaking 2 colon electric boogaloo which turned out to be even more crap than the original they were both dire films but anyway the point being electric boogaloo that term has slipped into sort of contemporary parlance as a phrase that basically means an unwanted sequel you slap that off to any film title or book title or whatever and it just means there is no excuse for its existence. Ergo, and to bring things up to the present, we all know there's no excuse for Boris Johnson's continued existence, and there's certainly no excuse for a party gate too. Oh, So, despite my grave error, I'm sure you can see where I was sort of going with all that. Anyway, we'll get back to that in just a wee while. You're listening to 16 Million Rising, the UK's longest-running, original, first and only pro-European anti-Brexit radio show and podcast. And you can be listening to it all over the place now. Well, for one, right here, where you're listening to it now, and I can't possibly know where that is, but it might be on our Mixcloud channel where you can hear the, the previous ten shows, uh, all in glorious, uh, high-quality stereo, or it could be via your podcast platform of 
choice. Pretty much all of them apart from Apple Music. We can't seem to get on there for love nor money. We're trying. We're trying. You can also listen, of course, on Alexa by simply looking at your smart speaker and saying to her, Alexa, play 16 Million Rising podcast and she will obey your very command. Apparently, you have to add the word podcast on the end or she'll start looking for an album and you'll be in all sorts of trouble then. (laughs) Yeah. We're also on the Knots for Europe website and the March for Rejoin website. I'll be directing you there again later in this week's show for good reason. And wherever you are right now, however you're listening, you are more than welcome. You can connect with all things SMR, 16 Million Rising, Single-Minded Rejoiners, via our link tree, which is accessible by simply typing into your browser, www.16. 16 million rising all in one big long word with 16 as a number .co.uk from there you can be our 72nd a subscriber from just £3 a month or for a fiver we'll send you every week's brand new show as a digital download in glorious stereo to your email inbox a day before it goes live so you'll get on a Sunday night uh, quite late on a Sunday night takes me all day to make the damn thing Um, but you'll get a copy before anyone else gets to hear it you'll also get a copy of our CD you write the songs featuring 21 amazing pro-European anti-Brexit bands, artists, singers, songwriters and musicians. A copy of our four-track EP, March On featuring Heather, and invited to our quarterly general meetings. The next one is coming up in July. Uh, you can also drop us a coffee on our Kofi page or donate via our fundraiser where you'll also get 15% off a six or 12 month subscription. And better still, you can now listen to, in, in fact, watch SMR every day of the week on a weekday Monday to Friday on YouTube simply go to our channel you'll find that linked at our web address too it's on the link tree SMR Bite Size thank you so much to the 350 370 actually people who've subscribed to that YouTube channel uh, for free of course all you need is a YouTube account I think it's a Google account totally easy to get hold of uh, thank you to everyone that's created an account just to subscribe and thank you to everyone who's listened this week an extra big thank you to Phil Morehouse and Max Robespierre, uh, both of whom plugged uh, the channel on their respective shows this week. And thanks in advance to Rob Graves at Truth to Power, who's promised he'll do the same in uh, the next seven days. Uh, I'll be bringing you some behind-the-scenes gossip and some simply unbelievable comments I've received this week on the channel. If you've not read them yourself, you can nip over there now and have a quick look. Unbelievably, at the time of putting this show together, the two that I want to refer to in particular are both still there. Uh, Our most popular video this week has almost hit its first thousand views. So again, thank you to everyone that supported the channel. And again, it's 100% free. What's not to love, eh? We're hoping to build up an archive there in all seriousness so that whatever question a Brexiteer or a rejoiner has regarding the state of the nation, you can direct them to a five-minute answer to that question, which will either confirm they were right all along or have their jaw dropping to the floor. (laughs) Take your pick. Uh, You can also write to us at 16 Million Rising, um, all in one long word, at Outlook.com. Send us your 30-second, 60-second audio for inclusion on the show, your music, your comedy, your rants and bants. Or just let me know what you think of 16 Million Rising. Time to catch up now, though, with this week's news headlines. 
At the time of putting this week's show together, Turkey's President Erdogan is slapping himself on the back and congratulating his latest victory in what can only be described as hardly a free and fair electoral process. After all, this is a guy that sticks anyone who opposes him. Uh, They pose a real danger behind bars and ironically controls the media, which is kind of rich, given that he's criticised Western media for briefing against him. Uh, Sad news, of course, at the beginning of this week, uh, pop led Legend. Tina Turner passes away uh, and I really must just recommend uh, the interview I saw last night I think it was on BBC News or BBC 4 or something. Uh, she was being interviewed by um, that funny looking guy about 4 or 5 years ago but she came across brilliantly and more importantly I hadn't realised just how many hits it's just hit after hit after hit this woman has had. I don't know it's always the case with me. Why is it that I have to wait until someone passes away before I discover what an absolute ledge they were. A terrific concert actually from the Netherlands broadcast immediately afterwards. See if you can catch both. Uh, Back in the UK, the government launches its latest anti-migrant drive. Posters and billboards designed to keep Albanians away. But of course, since these posters and billboards don't specifically target or reference Albanian uh, migrants to our shores, the government knows all too well that they'll serve to simply keep everyone away, which is pretty much what they want. If you want to hear more from SMR, catch our take on the issue of migration. Uh, Given the release of the new migration, net migration figures to the UK for 2022 of 606,000, head on over after this week's show to our Bite Size channel on YouTube and look for Thursday's takeaway. Uh, Do let me know what you think. But of course, the big news this week is Boris Johnson, former Prime Minister, partially deflated space hopper, murderous charlatan, whatever terms you like to employ when affectionately remembering our disgraced former PM. Well, yes, he's finally broken his silence on the latest Partygate allegations to surface. And, uh, frankly, as as comical as the manner in which those allegations came to light is, we cannot forget that they also rub up against another big issue involving Johnson this week, which, of course, sees him toing and froing between wanting to sue the Cabinet Office and having their back entirely. Uh, Yes, I am, of course, referring to a multitude of secret WhatsApp messages and communications which the government of the day do not want us to know about. However, the chair of the COVID inquiry, well, she's got very different ideas. To sue? To counter-sue? To counter-sue the counter-sue? Well, that is the question. Right, to Twitter? Or not to Twitter? Well, that's another question entirely. But we shall once again tentatively stick our tippy-toes into the waters of this particular breed of social media. Right then, so what have you lot been saying about all that this week? Well, we'll start with Alan Ferrier. Uh, Johnson has just moved into Bright... Uh, Have you heard this? Listen, Brightwell Manor in Oxfordshire. It's a nine-bedroom mansion with a three-sided moat. What what use is a three-sided moat? How does that work? Um, Anyway, uh, for which he's paid £3.8 get this, in cash. No need for a mortgage for Mr Johnson. How can any of this be right or fair, asks Alan. Any of what? Well, I'll tell you that too. The Mirror has, of course, reported, and I'm sure you've seen this, uh, that his new lawyers, yeah, because, of course, he sacked the ones the government appointed him that were all on legal aid, yeah, costing £250,000 minimum. He sacked them. His new lawyers are set to cost taxpayers, you and me, more than £1 million. 
pounds. We are going to come back to this story, uh, that of Johnson's legal expenses later in the show, because it's a whopper. It, and not to mention the fact that what is actually happening here is utterly unconscionable. Terrific analysis from Phil Morehouse coming up on that. Uh, but Nula Suchet tweets Lady Hallett. Now, y- you may not know who she is, but this is the woman that holds Boris Johnson's political future in her hands, according to, to Nula. Uh, she's the woman who is appointed the chair of the COVID inquiry, and she wants to get her hands on every scrap of evidence, quite rightly, that she can. Uh, and these include quite a lot of WhatsApp messages between government ministers, those in charge of our COVID response as a country, which up until now, none of us have seen. You'd think the COVID inquiry would need to see them, even as they are, as some commentators have speculated, a little bit less than professional uh, in the manner in which they're worded. That may be so, but I'm sorry, the government's excuse, Rishi Sunak's government's excuse, that they are irrelevant <laughs> and will serve to therefore add nothing to the inquiry, that's utter rubbish. Trust me, I'm pretty certain that all the families, all the COVID-bereaved families, would want to get their hands on everything pertaining to the government's response. Uh, Fiona O'Leary from Cheltenham also up in arms about this. Notebooks full of observations, handwritten by Boris Johnson, at the height of the pandemic, will be handed over to the COVID official inquiry into his government's handling of the crisis within days. All 24 hardback A4 pads of them. And here's why those WhatsApp messages in relation to this are so important. If Johnson, and we presume he's had to have his arm twisted to agree to that, is prepared to hand over these handwritten notes, 24 hardback A4 pads of them, well, what on earth is sitting there digitally stored, hitherto unknown to us, on WhatsApp. Uh, Brexit is a terrible mistake. Tweets, Johnson spaffed away 64 billion on shit. Trust blue... Se- did he? Uh, quite possibly, but I'd like a breakdown of that, actually. Trust blue 74 billion on nothing. Well, we know that. Both of them resigned in disgrace. They should be in jail, not choosing peers. Uh, Nick Leeson, uh, you might remember him, uh, disgraced a trader. Uh, Nick Leeson lost less than a billion, but he got six and a half years. Neither of them, uh, Trust and Johnson, deserve a leaving honours list. Uh, This in response to a belfasttelegraph.co.uk piece uh, detailing that Truss is planning knighthoods and other awards for up to 12 of her allies. Uh, What do we think about that? I mean, Johnson's one thing, but Truss is, is quite frankly another. 45 days, wasn't it? I mean, really? I mean, shouldn't there be a kind of a threshold that if you, if it turns out you were just a joke, you know, a joke prime minister that no one can expect to be taken seriously, that people have to look up on Wikipedia to find out whether you even really happened to us, then maybe you shouldn't be allowed a, you know, a leaving honours list? A crikey. Wait till you hear this week's Tune of the Week. It will all fall into place, I'm telling you. Uh, Haggis UK caught as we did. Sky News ambushing Johnson uh, at the airport in the States. I seem to remember hearing this before from the habitual liar what well boris johnson i can assure you and the public that they are all completely innocent and within the rules Uh, referring as he was there to meetings that uh, have now been exposed as having taken place at checkers during covid lockdowns Uh, same meetings i do of course 
probably mean wild parties uh, where Johnson and his closest allies were all probably just smacked off their tits on God knows what. Uh, Mick Hucknall of Simply Red, of course, brands Boris Johnson despicable amid the Partygate committee hearings. We are now huge fans of Simply Red, who follow us on social media, on Twitter, which is terrific. And yes, I have tentatively put some feelers out and asked Mick Hucknall for an interview. Fingers crossed. You never know. Some of you might remember that way back in 2017, we interviewed Baldrick himself. That's right, Sir Tony uh, Robinson. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Uh, Terrific article in the LondonEconomic.com. Boris Johnson named the number one celeb. I don't like using that word in relation to Johnson, but the number one celeb Brits want to see locked up. John says, uh, hey, it's John 92 says, absolutely he is. He's a horrible slug who always gets away with everything he's done. I hate him. And what the Tories have done to this country and all of them need locking up in prison. Uh, Britain people appalled at Johnson's legal aid. Uh, Working people barred from state-funded legal aid if they earn more than £12,750 a year. So why are the British public footing the £250,000, a quarter of a million pound bill for Johnson's lying inquiry? Uh, Labour MP Carl Turner brought that very question up in the House of Commons this week. Stay tuned for more on that later. Uh, Dr Martin opposes government corruption, retweets an article from The Guardian uh, at theguardian.com. UK ministers engaged in bitter fight to halt release of COVID secrets. He adds there must be a mountain of dirt in these documents, no doubt because there was a mountain of corrupt crap going on. Uh, Sarah Murphy, always good. Johnson and Carrie larging it up at checkers. MPs putting speeding fines on expenses. All part of the same culture of utter contempt and rampant greed. These dismal people think their power allows them to do what the hell they want and we have to pick up the tab. Time they paid she says. And Prem Seeker adds, Boris Johnson's new lawyers to cost the taxpayers more than a million for his Partygate defence. Johnson made £6 million last year. He's just been to the US giving six-figure sum speeches, yeah, in Texas. Uh, and he's paid £3.8 million, as we've already heard, in cash to buy a new mansion. Yet he gets public money while school children go hungry. <laughs> How does that work? I mean, really, how does that work? Actually, the exact figure that Boris Johnson has made, earned, whatever, uh, since leaving Downing Street seems to be a little bit uh, up for grabs. Um, one article this week puts it at just four million. <laughs> just a snip. Uh, loose change. Uh, Jane, a bit thick, uh, remain, uh, should be rejoined now, Jane, uh, says, fundamentally, Johnson is without integrity, conscience or shame. He'll continue to do shitty things, will continue to be appalled, he'll continue not to care. It's what he is. And we're caught in his shit cycle. Uh, Dr Mike Galsworthy, chair of European Movement UK, says, I really didn't think anyone could be more shameless than Boris Johnson, but they have it. Complete debasement of the honour system. That, of course, in relation to Liz Truss's plans to award up to a dozen allies. What do you think about that? I mean, need I ask? A terrific episode last week of Have I Got News For You, uh, chaired by Steph McGovern, she of the packed lunch fame on Channel 4. Uh, so the best bits coming right up soon Uh, No Surrender wants to remind us of this particular Frankie Boyle joke it's not really a joke immigrants do the jobs that no one in the UK wants to which is why Nigel Farage's wife is German does he still have a wife Uh, does anyone know I mean the last I heard he did have a German passport which I can't imagine why he would want that why? Oh, sorry, no, I forgot, Nigel. Brexit's failed, hasn't it? But more on that later as well. And why is he being booked 
by everyone. From, I don't know, ITV's Peston, BBC's Question Time. He's popping up everywhere again. Could be that he's good for ratings, sadly, which is something I discovered this week on Bite Size. More on that later. Uh, let's hear from someone with a brain. Professor Tanya Bootleman, always good. There are four basic facts when it comes to migration, immigration, emigration. Number one, migration is life. Number two, the UK needs immigrants. It needs more of us, in fact. Uh, of course, Professor Tanya Beetleman is herself an immigrant to the UK. Uh, three, immigrants contribute more than they take out, something we established last week on Bite Size 2. And four, immigration is not the root cause of any, any of the UK's problems. In fact, it's part of the solution to them. More sense in one tweet than I think you're going to get... <laughs> Via every other tweet. No, no, that's not fair. Uh, via most tweets that you'll encounter on the Twitter sphere yourself. Oh, crikey, is this true? Uh, Larry the Cat wants us to remind us that May the 25th was, in fact, the third anniversary of another Downing Street car crash. Uh, you may remember, uh, again, we did a bite size on this. Uh, you may remember uh, last week some idiot tried to drive his car, ram raid the gates of Downing Street with a, I don't know, a Vauxhall Corsa or something. Uh, anyway, no, the, the car crash that Larry the Cat in the Downing Street cat is referring to is Dominic Cummings' appearance in the Rose Garden. Yeah, the Barnard Castle eye test affair. God, it feels so long ago now, doesn't it? We're dragging up enough stuff from the bowels this week. We do not need to add that into the mix. Uh, now, get this. We're not going to play either clip because it would just infuriate us far too much. Uh, but this week, to find out what the general public think of immigration, the new net migration figures of 606,000 um, up to December 22, guess where GB News went to get a fully representative mix of opinions. Yeah, Boston, Lincolnshire. The only constituency that at the last time they were asked thinks that Brexit wasn't a mistake. The only constituency that thinks that. Literally, the entirety of the rest of the United Kingdom thinks it was an absolute disaster. But no, oh no, not Boston, Lincolnshire. So that's where they go to listen to some of the most ridiculous reasons for wanting to keep brown and black people out of the country you will ever hear. And if you really need to torture your eardrums by listening to them, then you know where you'll find them. Uh, actually, speaking of GB News, uh, according to um, an article at UKNewsYahoo.com, they've been named the most loved news brand in the UK in a new poll. Uh, Emma on Twitter said, I, I had this shared with me by a gleeful GB News fan. It seemed incredibly unlikely. So I, I wondered who they asked, you know, and what they asked, etc. So I went to look at the results of the poll itself. As uh, she goes on, so the first thing to jump out was that of the 100 media brands, GB News wasn't in the top 10 or the top 20, or even the top 50. I had to scroll to the end of the report. It was number 53. So, OK, um, maybe all the news brands, in inverted commas, were really just unpopular, and GB News was the least unpopular of an unpopular sector. But no, that's not what's happening here. While the brands were all ranked together, they were also split into categories, social media, news, etc. And basically, all the media channels that GB News pits itself against were in a different category. Sky, 10th, ITV, 12th, BBC, 14th, Channel 4, 23rd. They were all classified as television. LBC, 51st, was under radio and music. GB News was 53rd. And get this, for some unfathomable reason, GB News was in the news category, I know, and every other brand in that category, says Emma, was a newspaper. 
Why wasn't it under television? After all, it's a television channel, far more than it's a newspaper, which it isn't at all. So she concludes, if you see any crowing GB News tweets about them being the most popular news brand, please set them straight. And while we're speaking about GB News, again, one of their most, sadly, popular but controversial uh, brands, Nigel Farage, with his nightly show, he's been doing far too many mainstream media shows in addition to his duties at GB News this week. Alex S says, bloody fascist frog on Peston. Please stop platforming it. Is he elected? No. Is he an expert? No. Has he done anything for British people? No. Is he dangerous? Yes. <laughs> Actually, while we're speaking about Peston, oh my goodness, the poll they revealed this week uh, from new think tank We Are New Britain in collaboration with More in Common revealed that 58% of people either strongly or somewhat agree that, listen to this, nothing works anymore. And I'm not even joking. And on that depressingly tragic bombshell, I think we'll leave Twitter and get on to far more important stuff. And we've got plenty of that for you this week on SMR. Single-minded rejoiners. Uh, coming up very shortly, our full analysis of both sides of the Boris Johnson... No, it's not a comeback. Trust me, it's not a comeback. Resurgence? Uh, resurfacing. That'll do. Actually, I'd, I'd quite like to see him resurfaced with a lorry load of tarmac. Too harsh? I I don't think so. Anyway, before all that, music from Glenn Matlock. This is The Ship. I wanna 
A pleasure to speak to Glenn Matlock, of course, formerly of the Sex Pistols, punk icon, and all-round thoroughly decent fella. From his new album, Consequences Coming, that was This Ship. Uh, now, before we get to more important matters, this was the week that uh, Speaker of the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle, finally grew a pair. Take a listen. If anyone wants to see what uncontrolled immigration looks like, all they've got to do is wake up tomorrow morning, listen to the headlines, and see what this government... Order, order. Miss Bristow, I think you're going to be leaving. Miss Bristow. It, it, it was Paul Bristow, wasn't it? I'm, I'm asking you to leave now, because otherwise I'll name you. Name you? What you kind of just did... I'm not having it, and I've warned you before. It's the same people. Whoa, the supply teacher takes charge. And the same will happen on this side. Oh, yes, pointing to the Labour benches. Firm but fair. Uh, also, remember that poll I mentioned in the Twitter review? Uh, well, yes, it cropped up on Peston. A little bit something like this. First, I want to show you some exclusive polling from a new think tank called the New Britain Project, which has a depressing start, but one that I think sums up the political challenge for the next election. 58% of people either strongly or somewhat agree that nothing works anymore. Only 17% disagree. And 76% say things are worse now than in the past. Oh my God. Oh, sorry. No, listen, the whole of this show is not going to be quite that apocalyptic. Um, although, having said that, here's Ken Clark. It's going to take some years to get back from this catastrophic series of events and start getting back to having a healthy economy and growth with low inflation. Right but now, you're worried about inflation because yeah. that hits individual real people totally. more than anything else. That's why everybody's living standards are dropping. It's always a joy, though, to listen to our Ken. Fortunately, Peston wanted to drill him down on those all-important specifics. But why is it worse here than in America and in the European Union? Uh, well, we're particularly vulnerable on imports from Europe, and we've made those difficult. We're particularly uh, vulnerable to the, 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 the imports we have, we rely on for a lot of our energy sources. Uh, we just were very exposed. I mean, but do you we've not even blame the Bank of England the for moment, not putting interest rates The outlook up. for this Sorry. country is no worse now. Mm than the more problematic of the European countries. Uh, uh, with the beginning of this global crisis, which we, we're still in the middle of, we mm -hmm. haven't started to move out of it properly yet, uh, but the reason we were worse than practically everybody else was that in addition to COVID, in addition to the Ukraine war, 
we have Brexit, which is continuing to do great damage uh, to our economy. Never a truer word spoken. Never a truer word spoken. Ken Clark, former Chancellor <laughs> from a Tory government, ladies and gentlemen, he gets it. Yeah, and someone else who finally got it this week was Boris Johnson, uh, trying to flee the US after some very hectic speaking engagements, uh, from which he netted a reported six-figure sum in one case. Sky News caught up with him at the airport. Love the scruff, love the scruff. Get Brexit done, get Brexit done. <clears throat> uh, uh, look, uh, if you want an interview, I'll, I'll happily talk to you. Using happily in the Latin sense, they're absolutely furious. I, 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 look, this, this whole thing is nonsense from beginning to end. Uh, but enough about my career. No, Boris, come on, this is serious. No more Mr. Nice Boris, come on. Look, I think it's ridiculous that uh, elements of my diary were, were, were cherry-picked uh, and sent to the police or the Privileges Committee. Uh, I, I mean, there are, there are tens of thousands of entries in, in these things and, and literally hundreds that weren't breaking the rules. Look, no rules were broken. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. No rules were broken. And yes, I know when I said it before, it turned out that I was lying. But this time I'm not lying. And that's not a lie. No, no, it's fine. Let him speak. He's from Sky News. You know, he's entitled to ask me questions. Although I have to say, where the hell is GB News when you need them? Look, they didn't even have the common sense to check with me. None of those entries constituted socialism. Socialising? Yep, that too. When I wrote in my diary, party with the lads, woo-hoo, it's going to be off the hook, that was actually code for important ministerial meetings. I find it extraordinary that these things were handed over by uh, I don't know, some sort of authority. I don't know, uh, the cabinet office or I don't know, <clears throat> Rishi. Well, I, I think it's been a cock-up, a uh, cover-up, uh, and now a stitch-up. Uh, but the one thing I can assure you of is that I will never shut up. Now, look, sorry, I really have to go. I'm flying to do a, a, another extremely well-paid speech for some Americans to tell them exactly how great I am. Uh, I, I'd also talk about Ukraine or something. But actually, before that, I need to pick up a few souvenirs for my kids cost me approximately half my fee. I do apologise. got my, so easy to do. I've got my clips in a muddle again. I, I do have the actual clip, come, well, parts of it, coming up a little later on. There, That was Matt Green, one of our favourite comedians here at SMR. But let's explore now in greater depth and some serious detail Boris Johnson's current predicament. Oh, bless. As if the revelations about Suella Braverman are not enough, uh, that old hot potato, the party gate, is being revisited and Boris Johnson apparently uh, has been accused of further lockdown-breaking parties, this time at Chequers during the period that was covered by the Covid lockdown. It is simply shocking. Um, apparently, uh, former friends or friends of, maybe they are now former friends, friends of the former Prime Minister visited him while he was in Chequers. And a Cabinet Office spokesperson has said information came to light during the process of preparing evidence for submission to the Covid inquiry. It was identified as part of the normal disclosure review of potentially relevant documents being undertaken by the legal team for inquiry witness in line with obligations in the Civil Service Code. This material has been passed to the relevant authorities and it's now a matter for them. The Thames Valley Police said on Thursday, May the 19th, we received a report of potential breaches of the health protection regulations between June 2020 and May 2021 at Chequers in Buckinghamshire. We are currently assessing this information. I think um, I, I think that's uh, another spanner in the works of Boris's plans to return uh, to number 10. 
frankly. No, frankly, Professor Tim should be a little more than a spanner in the works. More of a final nail in the coffin. And now to the actual clip of that dogged Sky News reporter who tracked down Boris Johnson at the airport. For real this time. Do these new claims over lockdown signal an end to your political career? What, 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 sir, we're going to stand back. Mr. Johnson, me, what, are these back, WhatsApp, what do the WhatsApp messages tell us about your behaviour during lockdown? Let's, 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 do they further impugn your integrity, sir? Is your political career over, Mr. Johnson? Ah, oh, damn it. The insufferable sack of lumpy custard just wasn't biting. But you know what? If there's one thing journalists in the UK have figured out by now, it's that if you push him hard enough, he'll always end up biting. Mr. Johnson. You have form in terms of breaking the law on COVID. Have you broken it again? No, and I, I've been here to talk about Ukraine. That's what I've been doing. And Why wouldn't you talk about COVID? You're being accused of breaking the law at Chequers and at Downing Street, did you? No, but uh, you're look. Um, the answer is that... Um, Fast forward a couple of minutes. If you want an interview with me, I'll happily uh, talk to you. This whole thing is a load of nonsense uh, from beginning to end. And uh, we've made that clear in the, the statements that I've issued. Um, I think that it's ridiculous that ele- elements in my diary should be cherry-picked and handed over to uh, the police, uh, to the Privileges Committee, uh, without even anybody having the the basic common sense to ask me what these entries referred to. What do they refer to? There there is absolutely nothing in those entries that constitutes rule-breaking during COVID restrictions, okay? Ooh, getting a bit rattled now, are you, Johnson? Anyway, Sky weren't finished with him yet. Who is trying to stitch you up, Mr Johnson? Who, well, who do you think is trying to stitch you up? Who do you think is trying to stitch you up? Richie Sunak? It's any... Yeah, I'm trying just to... Let's, let's go to... Let's go. Who is trying to stitch you up, sir? Is it Richie Sunak? Look... Oh, you know what? He must have been so tempted just to yell, yes! Anyway, back in the UK, the Sky News presenter at her desk was keen to provide us with a succinct summary of Boris Johnson's response to those questions. Um, A load of nonsense from beginning to end. And I can assure you that I haven't tampered with that audio at all. Now, did you catch Carol Vorderman on last week's Have I Got News For You? If you didn't, you missed out. Boris Johnson is like a dose of diarrhoea that keeps on giving, is he not? (laughs) Just every single time, every time you switch on the news, he's still there. Mm. How does this happen? I think it's something to do with the system. Uh, What's Boris Johnson done now, allegedly? Well, uh, the suggestion is that um, he broke COVID regulations, not only in his London flat, but also at Chequers, his country house, which is a big shock to me, because I thought he would break the rules in one place and keep them in the other. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so he held gatherings at Chequers, which were against the Covid restrictions in place at the time, which was between June... He's denied this, though, which means it's true. (laughs) Sources told The Times that the alleged breaches involved Johnson's family as well as his friends, although a source close to Johnson denied this. Then Rachel Johnson stepped in to help. She told LBC all the rules were followed whenever I went to check it. <laughs> no further questions, Millard. I think Sunak's a little bit pissed off because he wasn't invited. 
So how did this all come about then? Essentially got shot by his own people. I mean, the public, you are paying for Boris's defence. And as part of the defence, he handed over his diaries and the people looked, blimey, look what he was doing then. And they reported him to the police. (laughs) (laughs) Carol Vorderman, Ian Hislop and Steph McGovern on last week's Have I Got News For You. Okay, let's get serious now. Newsnight's political editor, Nicholas Watt, gives us the lowdown on what's really been going on. Well, Kirsty, tonight Boris Johnson is at war with the Cabinet Office and at war with the government that is headed by the man he regards as his nemesis, that is Rishi Sunak. Now, you gave a flavour of the strength of feeling in the last few hours. There was this statement from Boris Johnson's office today. He's actually in Texas. And this statement says, it appears some within government have decided to make unfounded suggestions both to the police and to the Privileges Committee And as you said, Kirsty, many will conclude that this has all the hallmarks of yet another politically motivated stitch up. I understand that Boris Johnson is even considering suing the Cabinet Office. This is because his legal advice states that these events were lawful and his lawyers have told the Cabinet Office and the police that is their judgment. Uh, There is a suggestion that the Cabinet Office appears to have suggested in writing that the events were unlawful and if it can be proved that the cabinet office did that i think you may well be finding that boris johnson will be considering all his legal options now this all kicked off as you said kirsty when some entries in his official diary were queried by the cabinet office during a sort of a scoping exercise for the covid inquiry because those diaries showed visits by friends to checkers that's the official prime minister's residence in the countryside visits during the pandemic The view from the Cabinet Office is they just followed the Civil Service Code, which says that if there are any questions, possible wrongdoing, they would have to refer it to the authorities, in this case the police, and the police are making an assessment. But as I'm sure you're aware, this isn't just about Boris Johnson, the Privileges Committee, and whether or not he misled the House of Commons. Oh no, it's stepped up a notch since then. Because although Johnson's key to go to war with the Cabinet Office over one issue, his lawyers dobbing him into the cops, threatening to sue them and all sorts of nonsense, he's very much on their side when it comes to another, as Channel 4 News explains. In between lucrative speaking commitments, the former Prime Minister has been firing off letters back to the chair of the Covid inquiry, retired appeal court judge Baroness Hallett. And in the ever-lurching fortunes of Boris Johnson here in Texas yesterday, one day after he attacked the Cabinet Office for reporting him to the police over diary entries, which civil servants thought might indicate breaches of Covid lockdown laws, he's today on the same side as the Cabinet Office. In a flurry of correspondence, it's emerged that Lady Hallett is demanding sight of Boris Johnson's private WhatsApps and diaries from the time of lockdown. The Cabinet Office has hit back, saying some of what she's asking for would be unambiguously irrelevant. Lady Hallett has said they don't understand the breadth of her inquiry, and she might want to look into matters like whether Boris Johnson was distracted by irrelevant matters when he should have been focusing on Covid. And Boris Johnson's fired a letter off from the United States saying, Fuck off! Okay, so we we paraphrase, courtesy of Brian Cox there. What he actually said was, Any suggestion that he's trying to withhold private documents would be highly prejudicial. He's also furious about the lawyers the Cabinet Office sent him to help with his submission to the Covid inquiry, who then passed on material 
which has ended up in police hands. And it all came full circle towards the end of the week when... Today the Covid inquiry has threatened legal action uh, after some uh, communication from Boris Johnson, WhatsApp messages and diaries were withheld. A, a lot of evidence has been handed over uh, to the Covid inquiry, but the criticism from the head of the inquiry is that quite a lot of information was redacted. Well, we've just had a reply from the Cabinet Office, a spokesperson for the Cabinet Office reacting to this. It says, fuck off. Actually, to be honest, it probably did. So you sue me, I'll sue you back harder. Oh, it's pathetic, isn't it? I mean, it's proper playground stuff, this. My dad's bigger than your dad. Now, you might think with Nadine Doris staying relatively quiet and Marc Francois seemingly out of action, that it was proving just a little bit difficult to find anyone these days prepared to defend the former Prime Minister. Well, you'd be wrong, because Newsnight tracked down Guto Harry, former Downing Street Chief of Communications, who came up with this Dante-esque analogy for Boris Johnson's current position. He felt the former PM was in a sort of hideous purgatory where there's no closure, there's no heaven, there's no hell. And I can't imagine that there's anyone left in the whole of the UK whose mind hasn't been made up on Partygate. And so all we're doing is raking over old coals again without any outcome, burning up energy, burning up sort of resource, precious police resource and all that. And for him, it's just he's stuck in this purgatory, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. He's already lost the big job that he loved. He's no longer prime minister. You would think that most people would be satiated at this point, but no, the pain is not done. Then he popped up again with former BBC journalist from Newsnight, Emily Maitlis and co on the News Agents podcast. Fortunately, well, Emily, she weren't having none of it. Brexit was massively divisive and Brexit was the start of this allegation that he's a liar because in all the time I've known him, which is decades, and all the time I worked for him at City Hall, nobody thought he was a liar then. Well, he, hang on, hang fired on. He, got, he got fired by Michael Howard for lying. He got fired by his newspaper. Yeah, not spilling it out of a fair, and he made up a quote. I'm sure he's not the only person to done he's that. A, I'm not going to no, defend no, no, no. that. But, but, but you know, but, but to in, say in a no, career but, as public and as as high profile and political as his, they're two quite minor charges. As mayor of London, he got re-elected in a left-leaning city, mid-recession, mid-term of a Conservative government after an omni shambles government, because in the first term he delivered almost everything that he promised the people of London that he would do. No, look, I don't, and not many I don't, I don't, I don't do doubt that. that he's a serious, but I don't yeah. doubt that he's got a great talent as a politician. Gita, can I just tell you something? The first time I interviewed Donald Trump, he lied to me about having the biggest ballroom in New York. And I let it go because it was like, who the fuck cares? It's a ballroom. Yeah. Yeah. And in 2020, he lied about winning an election he lost and it created a riot and the attempt to overturn democracy. So there are lies and lies. There are lies that don't really matter. No, there are consistent patterns of behaviour and perhaps you should have seen that. We're not going to agree on this. You went to work for a man you knew was a consistent liar. And when you say Brexit was divisive, it was worse than that. It was destructive. He continually misled this country. You went to work for a man you knew was lying and misleading and had lied to the Queen about the prorogation of Parliament and had lied about Partygate and had thrown Allegra Stratton under the bus. I mean, there's always buses with Boris. You knew that was the culture in which you were working. And people can feel rightly furious that this stuff is still going on and still coming out. Oh, well done, mate. 
Yes, we love Emily 2.0 here at SMR. Uh, and having said there weren't too many people leaping to Johnson's defence, mm, I'm going to eat my words now because just wait until you hear former Tory MEP David Campbell Bannerman's defence of Johnson's behaviour. Are you seriously saying that to somebody who lost a family member who could not travel to be with their own father and you're saying that an attempt to investigate by police a potential law breach by the Prime Minister at the time who was in charge of the rules is a political stitch-up? It, it, it doesn't matter it what the politics is. The point is, if the Prime Minister is alleged to have broken the rules, alleged to have broken the law, there is an obligation on the police to investigate that. In fact, a lot of people are concerned that the police didn't act soon enough to investigate the well, allegations of Partygate and breaches of the rules at Downing Street. I think you're mixing two up, I'm afraid. I mean, look, we're going to have a full COVID inquiry, and that's absolutely right. And let's not forget, actually, but Boris Johnson came very close to death himself. In fact, I heard recently that they were, they were actually... The, the, trying to decide which priest to call, it was that serious when he was in hospital. So, you know, and party gate... I think that's as we... terrible. It's terrible, Mr. Campbell-Bannerman, that he was close to death. That's an yeah, entirely... It does, it's entirely separate from whether he breached the, the rules or not. Susanna, it isn't entirely separate because all these so-called Partygate events took place just a few months after he was trying to recover from very nearly dying. And that has to be taken into account. OK, but what if I'm there was a special exception for people who were particularly badly affected by COVID, then that means that Lobby should have been able, under that exception, to go and visit his father who was dying of COVID. He didn't. He couldn't. There was one rule. You're saying there was even an extension of that rule to people who'd been particularly badly affected by COVID. These allegations, Susanna, are being rigorous, uh, vigorously denied by Boris Johnson to the point of suing the Cabinet Office. I think that's pretty unheard of. The Cabinet Office is the Prime Minister's department, by the way, and, and there are a lot of enemies in Number 10 that do not want to see, see Boris as a threat. They're very fearful of him. They want to stop him. They want to get him with his privileges committee. Former Tory MEP, David Campbell Bannerman appearing with the brilliant Susanna Reid on ITV's Good Morning Britain. But putting aside for just one moment the rights and wrongs, and there seem to be far more wrongs than rights, of Johnson even assuming that anyone will buy a, a credible defence of his behaviour, there's another issue at play here. An issue that was raised in the House of Commons just this week by Carl Turner at PMQs. Working people are barred from receiving legal aid if they earn £12,750 a year. So why is the Prime Minister forcing the British public to foot the bill, which I think is currently £250,000 plus, for the Right Honourable Member for Uxbridge and South Rushlips alleged lying inquiry? Why can't he Stand up for the British people. Is it because he's too weak? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty certain he's got a very good point there. A point that we'll explore now in much greater detail with the brilliant Fillmore House. 
Take a listen. Boris Johnson's new lawyers are set to cost the British taxpayer over a million pounds more, seemingly on top of the quarter of a million pounds that he's already had in order to defend his lies and law-breaking. And I'd like to discuss the option Rishi Sunak has in order to prevent this abuse of public money and what it will say about him if he allows it. So uh, a former political leader, himself a multimillionaire, is expecting a public struggling with the cost of living to give them money in order to feed their habit for expensive lawyers. If that doesn't narrow it down, it's Boris Johnson in this case. And let's consider why Johnson is now wanting to massively increase the legal costs for his tawdry defence. His government appointed lawyers found evidence of criminal behaviour and reported it to the police. As a direct result of this, Boris Johnson spat his dummy out and has dismissed those lawyers, insisting that he select his own legal team privately. Fine by me, if he wants to pay for it. But no, he insists that the taxpayer still pick up the tab, even though it's going to mean much more public money being spent. Bad enough in itself, but the reason he wants these new, more expensive lawyers is because it will help him better conceal his crimes. There's really no other way of spinning this. The, the reason he wants this new legal team is because he thinks that they, if he passes on information that uh, is evidence of his own crimes that they won't pass it to the police. You know, Boris Johnson wants us to pay higher legal fees so we can avoid having even more criminal behaviour uncovered. Regardless of Boris Johnson's personal wealth, it would be abhorrent to allow this. So what are Rishi Sunak's options? Well, you might say that the government shouldn't be paying these legal costs at all. I would say in terms of the legal team to defend Johnson for the Privileges Committee inquiry, I would absolutely agree. This is not a government matter. It's a standard investigation into an MP's behaviour. They happen all the time. Uh, obviously, this is a, a very big one, but it's the sort of thing that happens all the time. And they sh and on other MPs do not tap into the public purse for a legal defence like this. But where the COVID inquiry is involved, Although the probe may inevitably uncover personal failures, the focus is really on the actions and decisions of the government in order that future governments can learn lessons. As such, there is some justification in the government paying for lawyers to represent ministers, whether past or present. And, uh, you know, it ultimately means we're going to be paying for it. See, governments get taken to court all the time, uh, not always for valid reasons either. And it is normal for them to have lawyers representing them. It's just like, you know, if someone took you to court for something you did in your capacity as an employee, you would expect the company to sort out the legal defence because really they're taking the company to court. But Johnson's refusing to use the government lawyers. So Sunak would be entirely justified in saying, well, look, the public purse is providing you with government lawyers. If you don't want them, fine, but the costs of private lawyers will come out of your own pocket. If Sunak feels that this is too incendiary, he could compromise and say, look, using the government lawyers would have cost this amount, so we will give you that amount for your private lawyers. If they cost more, you pay the difference. In other words, Johnson would be paying the extra cost of hiring a new team. But given that Johnson is only doing this in order to try and conceal illegal activities, I wouldn't have much truck with that either. And you may think, well... What's Sunak's motivation for not just letting Johnson hire the lawyers he wants and let the public pay for it? It's the fact that the public are not impressed with this behaviour. It's, it's the mirror reporting on the extra costs of Johnson's legal defence at the moment. I don't think you'll see much mention in most of the mainstream media. But those members of the public who do hear about this are not going to be happy with Sunak for going along with it. Boris Johnson completely destroyed his public reputation with Partygate. His reputation is likely to suffer further if it does indeed transpire that he has been found guilty of holding purely social parties 
during the lockdowns that he imposed on others. You know, being told that Johnson is being fed over a million pounds in order to hire lawyers who are less likely to report further criminal offences is not likely to go down well. And the public know that it's Rishi Sunak who can put a stop to this insult to the public. He's the Prime Minister now. You know, this is a public that's already paying the highest taxes in generations. You know, a quarter of a century ago, when the Conservatives were about to finally lose power after 18 years in office, John Major's biggest headache was the deluge of Tory sleaze washing over the country. Sunak has more problems because the modern Conservatives have been even more destructive than Thatcher and Major were. But Tory sleaze still has the power to offend the public. You know, we've just had the news that three Tory MPs have been caught putting speeding fines on expenses. Now, this built up, didn't it? A few weeks ago, we had the news that Swella Braverman, as a new MP, asked if she could put a speeding fine on expenses. She was told no. We now learn that three Tory MPs did just that. They hid it on the expenses forms by declaring it as travel expenses. And this is just the latest example of sleaze. At another time, something like this would be front page national news. No, not anymore. It gets reported and then thrown onto the pile of sleaze stories. Whatever Sunak is trying to achieve for the election next year, this is not going to help it. It doesn't matter whether he still thinks he can win or if he knows he's going to lose and he's just trying to limit the scale of the defeat. Tory sleaze loses them votes, which will lose them seats. And Boris Johnson is the biggest sleaze monster the Tories have. Sunak's strategy relies upon being able to convince voters that his Conservative Party is fundamentally different to the one which has crushed their public services and general standard of living. It, it, he's trying to, to weave this illusion that he is actually economically competent and that now that he's in charge all these things will start to be to be dealt with they'll be you know, give him a few more years and it'll all be working marvelously that he will sort out the mess without people having to vote in the unknown quantity of a labor government but if Johnson looks like he's still calling the shots, Sunak's not able to do that. Opponents will claim that Johnson is still really in charge of the party and the government. After all, what other reason could there possibly be for him being able to sack government lawyers, get his own private team and still get the public to pay for it all? It's not just that Sunak should put a stop to this for the sake of any shred of common decency, but it is of strategic benefit to both him and the Conservative Party to do so. And Sunak does not need to fear a backlash in his party. You may think, oh, the backbenchers are going mad. No, they wouldn't. You know, if he even threatened to block the extra funds, absolutely we would see articles in the Tory press talking about how MPs are outraged and will teach Sunak a lesson when it comes time to vote for his legislation. But they've already done that. They did that last week. It was utterly contrived. Sunak has already beaten Johnson's supporters in Parliament. Johnson still has those supporters, but they are aware that it is not in their interest to even try and bring Johnson back now. It can't happen. Johnson's supporters are only really active in the media right now. If Rishi Sunak allows these payments to be made, even though it will reflect very poorly on him personally in public, as far as I can see, it can only mean one thing. Johnson has got some dirt on Sunak. And I don't mean about the lockdown breaches. Yes, Sunak was fined for the same birthday party as Boris Johnson, but that was probably genuinely Sunak's only offence. You know, he was told to go there, so he did. I can't imagine Sunak was living it up during lockdown. I don't really get the impression he's a party animal, even when it's legal. He's crap at it. Does Johnson have something on him in terms of maybe financial dodgy dealings? And I mean really financial dodgy dealings. I don't mean making him or, or his family richer under cover of COVID financial support. We know about that. That won't really be illegal. That'll just be the consequence of us letting 
the likes of Johnson and Sunak run the government? You know, is there something else, something more criminal? Johnson, after all, effectively encouraged those close to him to take the piss with their positions as much as they liked, to, to pretend that they were live like princes as long as they remained loyal to him. You know, was Sunak only too eager to enjoy this privilege at the time? Was he maybe a bit reckless in allowing Johnson to know what he was up to? Because if Johnson gets his way here, I will be thinking he's got something to blackmail Sunak with. And it is not that his supporters will start causing trouble in Parliament, because that's not going to happen. So there'll be something. Otherwise, it simply doesn't make sense for Sunak to be seen to be doing Johnson's bidding at the public expense when he's trying to distance his government from that of his former boss. I've fallen down many holes in the road since then been many places where I should be times ten gave you flowers at breakfast but by sunset they
new music on SMR this week. Uh, we interviewed Paul Gray, a bassist from The Damned and One Quarter of The Wingmen, much earlier on this year. The, the interview, I, I think it's fallen off now. It's dropped off our Mixcloud channel archive. But of course, subscribers, you have a copy to keep forever. Ever. That was Paul, of course, with the rest of his wingmen. It's raining all over England. Now, a few weeks back on SMR, we launched this year's Music Sounds Better with EU Summer Online Music Festival. For pro-European acts, of course. It went a little something like this. Last year, Augusta Lees and Mike Cashman, Tea Garden B, Wayne Allen, The Ramonas, Graham Paul Kendrick, Rosemary Schoenfeld, and Rachel Ashley. This year, we're doing it all again, but bigger. We want your sets to be part of Music Sounds Better with EU2. Go to marchforajoy.co.uk where you'll find everything you need to know. Music sounds better with EU2. Uh, yes, well, thank you, me, doing uh, a rather over-the-top trail for it there. OK, so if you'd like to be involved, what do you need to do? Well, the good news is we've already been contacted by The Strange Mole Show. Uh, Holy Mole himself, had a lovely chat with him. They're going to be putting together, um, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes worth of wild, fresh, off-the-cuff, but up-to-date comedy to uh, for us to intersperse between acts on this year's show. And yes, if, if you are a comedy act, and you'd like to put together a showreel of some live action or animated skits and sketches, please feel free. All the details are on the website. That's coming up for you. The details of that in just a moment, so hold on. But if you are uh, a musician, a singer-songwriter, whether you are individual on your own with just your guitar or piano or whatever instrument you play, or as part of a band, we want you... Well, like we said there, we want your sets. That was sets. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, now, last year's terrific first festival is still available to watch in full uh, at UK Rejoin the EU on YouTube. Uh, you can look at some of the acts and how they put together their live set packages or showreel packages for last year's event. Some terrific stuff there. But as we said there, we want this year's event to be even bigger and better. So if you'd like to take part, the first thing you've got to do is head on over to wwwmarch for rejoin or one word.co.uk uh, at the very top of the the, the headline page there the, the welcome page you'll see a link to music sounds better with eu2 click on that all the details and that promo will come up please read through those carefully because everything you need to know is there what we're looking for how to put it together and when to get it to us uh for your information the deadline for submitting your set whether it's a live set montage or a showreel of uh, pop videos animations or, or partially live performances uh, is the 6th of August. You need to get it in by the 6th of August as an MP4 file with high-quality audio or a 
as high quality as you can manage. Uh, the event itself is going to be on August the 20th. It will start sometime in the mid to late afternoon and run on through to the late evening. Uh, Lee Rudd and I will be hosting again live, but it'll be nothing without you. Why are we doing it? Well, a number of reasons. First of all, to help promote you, your pro-European anti-Brexit acts. As you'll see from the notes on the, the website there, not everything you perform needs to be explicitly anti-Brexit or pro-European in nature. You can do some of your own unrelated material to promote what you as a band or artist do. Uh, but of course, we're also doing it to raise awareness of this September's upcoming National Rejoin March 2 in London. Uh, Peter, Claire, Lee and the team will be speaking much more about that in the, the weeks to come as the summer progresses um, and no doubt you'll be booking your your tickets, your flights, your day with us in London um, as soon as the Saturday in September we hope is confirmed with the GLA. Great news is we've already raised enough to pay for the deposit on the stage the sound, the visual gear or the equipment that we need but of course we're hoping to raise 22,000 I believe that's right at the time of putting this show together to ensure the event is even bigger even better it cuts through even more than last year's Uh, so if you'd like to sign up if you want to find out more about it if you want to support uh, the event with a donation however small you can find the link to uh, the gofundme again at www.marchforrejoin.co.uk and if you've got any questions at all about the event anything at all uh, you'll find uh, an email address there to contact peter and the team on and they'll be more than happy uh, to respond to any queries you might have uh, once again smr is the official broadcaster the new european i'm sure will be the official print media supporter of the event i can't wait to get stuck in uh, with bringing you all the behind the scenes goss from this year's event but we can't do any of that until we've had a huge summer of music Music Sounds Better with EU, uh, August the 20th. Get your acts, your sets in by the 6th of August. Full details on the website. I will be writing to all the acts, the bands and artists that I have email addresses for this coming week. So check your inboxes, guys. Larry and Paul coming up next. Welcome to Broken News. There's outrage after a British man was fined by his local authority for moaning about the first warm day of the year. The 42-year-old from Scunthorpe was also ordered to attend a weather awareness course. Our reporter has more. Having spent the last six months complaining about how cold it is, retired electrician Eddie Whittingham fell foul of local rules on Tuesday of this week. Mr Whittingham was heard saying, Christ, it's hot, isn't it? I'm sweating my tits off after temperatures peaked at 19 degrees Celsius on the first warm British day of the year. But Lincolnshire County Council said that they had obtained evidence that just four weeks ago, Mr Whittingham had been heard saying, Christ, it's cold, isn't it? I'm freezing my tits off. As a result, the authority gave the 42-year-old a fine of £75 and three points on his driving licence. Back to you. A lesson to us all. That's everything from Broken News. You're up to date. The terrific Larry and Paul there with their broken news. Um, Now, speaking of broken news, be advised. What is more likely, Okay, you returning to frontline politics for the next election or you moving abroad? 
know the former, not the latter. Uh, so you're coming back, are you? You're going to come I back. I say that. I say that. But I, you know. Yeah, just Robert Peston and Nigel Farage having a jolly good chuckle about the latter's possible return to frontline politics. Personally, I can't think of anything less worthy of mirth. How about we all together, right now, pledge that if he does, we'll all leave the country and then not actually do it, because, hey, where are we going to go, Nigel? You total buff. Sorry, that was almost very unprofessional of me. I was going to play this last week, but I forgot or didn't have time or something. But it's important. Uh, This is Damon Albarn, um, front man of the 90s Britpop legends Blur. Some people think they were better than Oasis. Other people, not so sure. Mm. Anyway, here he is now with his views on how Brexit has impacted the lives of uh, young aspiring bands as they seek to make their mark in Europe. Brexit's been a disaster for younger musicians because, I mean, in the old days... And when I mean the old days, I mean pre-Brexit. You could be a young band and you could kind of go over to Europe and play bottom of the bill in festivals and sort of camp. And, you know, you wouldn't be paid hardly anything, but your experience would be life-changing. Whether you went on in the future to to do bigger and better things, it doesn't matter. That's kind of sort of like a solid foundation for the rest of your life. Um, and that kind of creativity has been very much curtailed for people on this island because it's expensive now to go over there. It's not straightforward. You have to pay, you know, for visas and all that stuff that weren't necessary. So it's a terrible, it's a travesty. You know, Brexit was a travesty and people are waking up to that now, thank goodness, but it was a disaster. Damon Albarn there from Blur. And as I continue in my valiant attempt, I hope, to convince you that not everything is uh, standing on the precipice of um, <laughs> catastrophe, here's the brilliant Gary Lineker winding up the right-wing climate crisis denialists once again. I think it's very worrying that you know, we, we lock people up that are actually trying to make sure that we have some kind of future. Um, I understand why that. I understand why people can get upset because it's it's disruptive um, demonstration. Um, but history kind of tells you the only demonstrations that really work are disruptive ones. You can um, so it it it's it's a tough one. Um, I, it's not it's not a case of blaming our government for not doing enough on climate change. It's it's the whole world. Um, governments and the powerful people of the world are the only ones that can really halt this disaster coming um, so you know I'm t- kind of running out of hope a little bit but there is hope there we have brilliant scientists in the world um, they understand the issue they understand ways that we can we can turn it around um, but our over-reliance on fossil fuels we've, we've got to find a way out of that because you know we're going to destroy the future for our children and their children and 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 to be honest that's the, it's the should be the biggest issue of the day and we should all be trying to turn governments on it not just relying on a few people that actually they do stuff knowing that they'll probably be locked up and and I kind of admire that in a way and I know it, I know it angers a lot of people um, but that's kind of what they want because it's the only way it gets publicized and it's the only reason we're talking about it now and I think that's important and I think in if we manage to save this like save the human race um, from 50 years or 100 years time and we still exist, they'll look back on these and they'll look back on people like that 
and Greta Thunberg and people like that that have made a real difference and they might well be the heroes. June of the week. Recommended to us by friends of the show, The Grit, with language that may be offensive to some, but hey, fuck it, this is The Prophets of Rage. Unfuck the world.
The Prophets of Rage, Unfuck the World. Well, that, my friends, is a jolly big ask, and we've got our hands full right now with just the UK. But we're getting there one bite at a time. If you enjoy the UK's original pro-European radio show, you're going to love SMR Bite Size on YouTube. Every weekday at 8, we'll be serving up a unique five-minute takeaway, bang up to date and exclusive to Bite Size. On Mondays, we'll dish up a freshly squeezed take on the hottest Brexit or EU-related news. On Tuesdays, it's time for action as we highlight something you can do to help the Rejoin EU cause. Wednesdays, and it's time for a reality check, where we bust the myths and get to the truth. No word of a lie. On a Thursday, you'll get our thoughtful take on an issue which divides, challenges or confuses us rejoiners. And on Fridays, well, as if you hadn't already guessed, there'll be a more light-hearted takeaway to end the week with a bit of fun. <laughs> you won't find anything here on the current show, which you can listen to on the podcast platform of your choice, Alexa, and of course, Mixcloud. To find out more, subscribe, donate, even be on a show, just go to 16millionrising.co.uk. SMR, the UK's longest-running anti-Brexit pro-EU radio show, just got a whole lot more digestible. Weekdays at 8, only on YouTube, for single-minded rejoiners everywhere. Yes, SMR has now been live on YouTube for one full working week. Right now, if you head over to our channel, you'll find a link to that at www.16millionrising.co.uk. Just click on SMR Bite Size. It'll take you straight there where you'll find our first five little takeaways, all roughly five minutes. Four of them pretty serious with some lighthearted touches. One of them just for fun. That's Fridays, Fun Time Fridays on SMR. And a really got to say a big thank you to friend of the show phil morehouse for this uh, for those who follow smr the pro eu anti-brexit radio show they've migrated to youtube now i will put a, uh, a link to the channel in the description below if you're interested and an equally humongous thank you to the equally wonderful max robespear for this there's a channel uh, the thanks to the moderators for posting it on the stream tonight is 16 million rising pro eu channel on both um, YouTube and on Twitter, so do check that out. 16 Million Rising um, radio show, and it uh, picks up a lot of really fantastic content, including yours truly, <laughs> um, Ben, who runs that, doing a wonderful job. So do check out that channel and uh, make sure to subscribe to it. Give it a bit of a boost. Which, thanks to them, a number of you did this week. We started the week with around 225 subscribers, um, which is very few, as as you'll know. <laughs> On YouTube, we use the channel just as a dumping ground for the audio visual material that we created over the past six years. I've never actually used it, you know, for any kind of uh, serious promotional or content base uh, for the SMR project. But uh, in the last week, we've now leapt up to over 600 subscribers. We need to get to 1,000 before we can become a YouTube partner and monetize the channel. And even then, we've got to wait until we've had 7,000 hours worth of material watched in the previous 365 days, both of which are more than achievable with your help. So thank you 
huge thank you to everyone that subscribed and watched at least one, if not all five, videos this week. If you haven't, it won't take much of your time. You can watch all five in under half an hour, and you can leave comments underneath. Now, I've, I've always been a little bit kind of wary about leaving comments open, but I haven't set it so that I can moderate any or approve any. I can delete them if they're really offensive and just downright ridiculous, um, but I've tried to respond to nearly all of the ones I've received this week. Lots of them, of course, um, very positive, very encouraging, and thank you so much to everyone that's left a comment, particularly Grandpa Kendrick for being first, and friends of the show Yvonne Richards and Peter Kaur for being quite consistent in their support this week too. But I thought I'd draw your attention now to a couple that really made me laugh this week. Actually, before I get to those two, and they really are brilliant, uh, <laughs> honourable mention to Christopher Wilde for this. Wow, really sounds like a real person. You'd never know it's an AI bot. I was convinced it was a woke breastfeeding bedwetter doing the commentary. Keep up the good work, as we all need a good laugh. To which, of course, we replied, glad you enjoyed it, Christopher. Um, it's always... I mean, I'm happy to have trolls. People come along and say, oh, you bedwetting, lefty, liberal, woke, tofu-eating, woke-karate, uh, whatever. You know, that's fine. Um, just try and keep it reasonably civil, or I, I'll just delete it, you know. What's the point? Uh, but at number two, my second favourite comment of the week is this from uh, Peter. Uh, or so he says, uh, you, sir, speak a load of crap. Now, this was in response to Monday's um, uh, five-minute takeaway on Nigel Farage confessing that Brexit had failed. Uh, so I responded, well, explain why exactly. Uh, and he did. Uh, first thing is your condescending attitude. Um, now, I'll, OK, I'll take that. It's very hard to speak about Brexit seven years on when the majority of people apart from those living in Boston and Skegness have realised that it's a load of crap without sounding just a teensy bit condescending I mean sorry but it really is difficult but it's the next it's the next comment that really got me I'm not I'm quoting verbatim here I promise you and your total bias towards the truth um yeah you know, that comment I thought was so good, I kind of thought to make it, you know, the, the tagline for, for the entire show. SMR Bite Size, only on YouTube, with a bias towards the truth. I mean, seriously? I, anyway, I thanked Peter and uh, said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. But by a country mile, the most interesting comment we received this week was, uh, well, I won't mention who it is, but this person only has a couple of subscribers on YouTube, which is something that comes up in in his uh, critique of Wednesday's episode in which we talk about Brexit not having been delivered properly. You know, the, the new theory that that's the real problem as opposed to just Brexit being utterly bonkers. Anyway, this particular chap comes up with this comment. Uh, you're backed by the YouTube algorithm and still only have 200 views after 14 hours. Nobody wants woke and beta from a bloke. Uh, now, uh, so many things wrong with that. First of all, we've, we've only just started. Uh, 200 views after 14 hours for a channel that's been putting out no real content uh, ever isn't too bad. I do know this is going to be a lot of hard work. I've done a 40-hour week on those videos this week for absolutely no pay, simply because I want to get the message out there, broaden the reach of SMR, and hopefully be able to raise a little bit of money from YouTube rather than... 
you good people who continue to support the show by subscribing. Uh, I'm also fully aware of what he, he, he means by woke. I'm not quite sure what the beta reference is, but hey, whatever. Uh, we responded, thanks for watching. <laughs> uh, and congrats on your two subscribers after 15 years. Seriously, though, we're only just getting started making content. Three days ago, in fact. It takes hard work and time to build a YouTube channel, so don't be too quick to draw conclusions. The algorithm isn't backing us just yet either, but once we hit a 1,000 subscribers, things should improve. They did on Twitter. We're doing quite well there, but it took us a lot of hard work and time. As for our wokeness, well, we're proud to be uh, aware of social and racial injustice. It's good to be on the right side of history. Now, to be honest, we didn't really think that would be the end of the matter. Something we've discovered about trolls is they really love to have the last word. Uh, but as some of you have pointed out, I don't think this particular person is in fact a troll. I genuinely think they need to seek professional help. Here's his response. Without commentary, unedited. Brace yourselves. Why would I have any subscribers when I don't upload anything? You claim to be uploading for only three days and already your woke content gets to the top because your woke ideology is backed by big tech, the state, the media and academia. As for history, uh, maybe you can't smell the coffee but the working class are rising. The manosphere, uh, a meritocracy and the red pill cannot be stopped. People were blind to woke skullduggery, but now are aware of the danger from cultural Marxists who are the brainwashed foot soldiers of the elites. Brexit is another word for nationalism. British, Irish, Italian, Hungarian and many more patriots are being called to their flags and to defend their nations from the globalists. So stick your virtue signalling and your racism. We've had 50 years of job equality, in inverted commas, which translated means no men need apply, and diversity, in inverted commas, which means no white men need apply. But surely they have a name for that? Excluding people based on their gender and colour of their skin? Oh, remind me again. Oh yeah, that word is sexism, and that word is racism. There is a storm coming, a reckoning, and you think your BLM and Antifa thugs are going to win it? You think you're going to strip away all our freedoms and get away with it? Well, black, white, gay and straight people have had enough of your virtue signalling propaganda. The tide is turning. History is the version of events the victors can agree on. Napoleon Bonaparte. It's just a... Actually, I said I wouldn't comment, but I just want to make clear. That's a, that's a quote he's just slipped in there. I'm not sure why. You think history is on your side because now the state jails, cancels and doxes your opponents for speaking out. So right now you may have the guns, but we have the numbers. For you think the battle nearly won, but just like Stalingrad, you doth protest too much. That's in inverted commas too. I'm nearly there, I promise. Now I don't know you personally. Thank God. Uh, but uh, That was commentary as well. Uh, but our monthly... <laughs> Sorry, but at our monthly meetings of our gentlemen's society, we have a group of men dedicated to meritocracy and the overthrow of wokeism. We are white and black, straight and gay, working class and wealthy, all powerful men in their own right sworn to secrecy. While you virtue signal to the world, we prefer to quietly go about our business. We will not forget how you groom our toddlers, brainwash our children, and strippers of our rights. We are men. 
Yeah, now, needless to say, I was tempted to delete that comment, but I just couldn't resist screenshotting it and sharing it. Uh, I did respond, uh, mercifully, quite briefly. Uh, Some inflammatory accusations there. You might like to consider editing them, as not only are they wildly inaccurate, but potentially libelous. Screenshot taken. Aside from which, your redefinition of woke is also wrong. Uh, To be honest, posting a tirade of nonsense like this just makes you look like a loony. Uh, You have our pity. Didn't hear from him, her, it, (laughs) them, again. So, all in all, it's been quite an eventful week certainly an amusing one which has helped because it has been bloody hard work more fool me for thinking I could spend what 90 minutes couple of hours a day knocking out a five minute vid I'm sure there are those of you who can but I'm not one of them still I will persevere you can help me this week in two really simple totally free ways if you're listening to this now please uh, log on to YouTube if you're not already logged on on the device that you most access it with you don't need to create a new account please don't do that that's going out of your way one person this week did and i'm supremely grateful but just subscribe uh with your your google i think it is a youtube account just subscribe watch the videos that's all i need you to do uh, you can go one better than that if you like share them on social media with people you think need to hear uh, the message within them uh, like i said earlier i'm hoping to build up a, a kind of archive of simple answers hopefully to complex questions that remainers rejoiners <laughs> and brexiters if there are any left ask frequently Uh, and if you haven't had time to go listen to last week's uh, or watch last week's just yet please do make the time after this week's show that is just about it from me for this week thank you so much for joining me for another smr the radio show will be going from strength to strength i have a a, another interview lined up with one of our favorite singer songwriters coming up in the next few weeks i am also seeking interviews with some really interesting people for your delectation and your consideration do check out all the links on our link tree 16millionrising.co.uk like share and of course subscribe to the show as a value or early riser if you can that's it from me for this week's show i'll see you every night on youtube and for another smr radio show same time same place next week see you in seven you've been listening to 16 million rising produced by smr communication broadcasting weekly on Mixcloud. To find out how to contribute to the next show, check out our website and follow us on social media. Yes, I know know, when I said it before, it turned out that I was lying, but this time I'm not lying, and that's not a lie. Sixteen Million Rising is the UK's first and longest-running pro-European radio show with a brand new episode every seven days, free to listen to on the popular Mixcloud platform. Reaching up to 50,000 listeners every week, each show brings you a carefully curated assembly of reliable talking heads, exclusive location reports, listener calls and action points to help you find your place in the fight for the European values of cooperation, inclusion and unity we need to see restored to the 
heart of our failing democracy. We bring your tweets to life, platform the best new comedy, poetry, and yes, music being written and produced by you. In fact, in 2020, thanks to your support, we were able to launch our own record label and release a compilation CD of some of the best of that music. But now we want to take things to the next level. We're looking for just 100 monthly subscribers or early risers to help us reach our goal of being able to make a brand new show speaking truth to power every seven days until we rejoin the European Union. Now we're well on the way, but we need your help to make our dream of a free weekly pro-EU radio show a cast iron reality. We're not looking for a few big money donors to pull the strings, rather lots of real people like you giving small amounts monthly. We're part of the national grassroots network of passionate pro-Europeans who believe right-wing sources of misinformation, bigotry and outright racism like GB News need challenging now. So if you'd like to be part of what we're doing at SMR, join us. For just £5 a month, you'll receive every week's new show as a digital download, a full day before it goes to air. And as a welcome gift, we'll send you a free copy of our 21-track CD, You Write the Songs, as a physical CD or download with no PMP. Full details are available on the website. Just click the link where you found this video. And with your help, we believe that reversing Brexit and restoring the UK to the heart of the European Union is not just some distant possibility, but an achievable and seeable goal. Become an early riser, help us grow the show and put yourself on the right side of history with us. 16 million rising. You write the songs, you make the news and we will be with you, whatever. Seriously, what are you still doing here? I've already told you. (laughs) I'm kind of busy at the moment thinking about what to do for next week's bite sizes. So do me a favour, go and watch the ones you haven't seen, subscribe to the channel and share at least one vid with someone that you love. Or maybe don't. Either way, sock it to them.